Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing. Brought to you by Socialink, digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno. And as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk. AJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Lovely to be here. How you doing? Good, thank you. Good. I think you're one of the first guests to actually ask me how I'm doing as well at the beginning of a podcast. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, really quickly, AJ, before we jump into what we're going to be talking about today, who are you? What do you currently do? And what was your journey like to get to where you are now? So I'm AJ. I started life as a musician, believe it or not. And I did that for a few years, didn't really make any money doing that. And so I moved back from London to Bath, where I'm currently based. And I kind of found this digital marketing as a way to be entrepreneurial and also not have to go get nine to five. And so the last kind of 10 years-ish, I've done everything from starting an ebook publishing company to an online jewellery store to building out affiliate sites, which is what I do now, which has then led me to another current project that I'm working on, which is helping SMEs with content creation and content creation strategy. So, yeah, so that, that is me in a nutshell. So many things to unpack. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I guess I'm more of a generalist than, a, than, than yeah, somebody that specialised in something, but that, I guess that's, that's entrepreneurship for you, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I think it's, there's quite a few things that you've mentioned there which do sound pretty interesting. So well, let's Jump start in. a little bit at the beginning. But you mentioned, obviously, as you got into digital marketing, not wanting to go back into a nine to five. Um, you mentioned there that you did uh, an ebook publishing company? Correct. Tell us a bit about that. So I'm pro- well. I, I I've been teaching guitar for 15 years now, thereabouts, and so I just kind of created 30 guitar ebooks for Kindle um, that are still live, still able to buy. You can ashleyjsaunders.com and buy them. Um, just a little plug. So yeah, so that, that that's really really exciting. And also, I, you know, I think for me it was. It was eye-opening to think that I could create something that was, you know, 20 or 30 pages long, put it on to Amazon, and I'll get emails within, you know, the next year or so from America, Australia, UK, people saying how amazing the books were, or asking me questions about what I was teaching. And so that was amazing, and that kind of solidified... Well, that, that kind of proof of concept that you can actually earn money online. And then from there, I, I started a blog to do with that, and I, it didn't rank for ages, and I've kind of figured out how to get that to rank and how to write blog posts that actually were engaging, and I started to get lots of comments on that. Um, and then I actually wrote um, an article on how to build a pe- guitar effects pedal. This is really, really technically really boring. Um, and since I wrote that probably like four or five years ago, I got emails from people all over the world with actual photos of the what that person has inspired them to build, which is just absolutely incredible and absolutely mind-blowing because, you you know, you're sat in your, your, your house writing these posts and drawing up these diagrams thinking, you know, it's, it's all stupidity. 
And then, it, you know, it's absolutely incredible when you get these things back and you think, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. But literally, like, the, the best bit about that story, as far as I can tell, is you've been doing all these bits. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people that would have gone straight to a, like, produced a, an ebook about how you can create ebooks and make money from them without actually doing the first part. Right. So that's, right, right. that's quite interesting in the sense of, and again, like, you know, so you've still got these books up for sale. I'm guessing you still getting people that are buying these things and that yeah, are actually people still buying. I still make probably about $30 a month off of that, which you know, isn't an amazing amount of money, but it's still, you know, since I haven't done anything for that business for probably six, seven years. Fantastic. So that takes us then through to, so you went from, I need to try and get this story straight now. So you went from guitar eBooks. Uh, you then did a diagram of how people could build a, a, a guitar pedal. I'm going to call it right. that. And I'm sorry right. for anyone who plays no, no, guitar. No, no. And please I've do, please do. Please possibly do. butchered that. Um, but <laughs> you then said a jewellery, an online jewellery store? Sure. So I, I, I got fascinated with trying to buy stuff and sell it on and make profit, make a living that way, make profit into the markup. So I did some really, really stupid things, like I bought um, discount wallets, like a whole box of them, and sold them and resold them on eBay I didn't make any money. And so I was kind of searching for what could I mark up at a sensible amount that had margin and had the capability of actually being scalable. And so for me, the, the logical thing was jewellery because it was it, it had a high ticket price. The markup is generally around kind of 2.6 to 2.8. And so there's enough margin to market it properly and you weren't having to kind of, you know, you can always reduce your margins and discount and sell that way but you wouldn't, the margins were healthy enough that you didn't lose money, which, yeah, you know, I guess the one thing that I looked from that business is margin control. And so that, that was really, really interesting. So I helped launch in the UK Maserati watches. I was the first person to sell Maserati watches in the UK. Um, I did a jewellery brand from um, the Netherlands, I think, or maybe, no, sorry, Belgium, um, a Swiss watch brand that's historic. So I think I did an American brand called Bearer um, Orology is like by two Italians that moved to Florida again so yeah so it's really really exciting um but I didn't realize and this is kind of the kicker is people buy jewelry two two periods of the year which is Christmas and Valentine's Day right and the rest of the year and the rest of the year you sit there hoping and praying that the phone will go and someone will ask you a beautiful question that leads to a sale or someone will you know or, or enough traffic will convert that you make enough money to pay the rent that month right and so yeah so I I realised within kind of a, well within kind of two years that it was great funding all this exclusive stuff, but yeah, two periods a year, and then you get a smattering of gifts and a smattering of people buying watches throughout the year, but it you know it was never enough to to really scale to the point that I wanted to get to where I could sell it for millions. But so that 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 was an interesting. Sing lesson. I, I, I look. I, I guess my whole career can be summarised as the with the Churchill quote, which is. Success is going from one failure to another without losing enthusiasm. And it's a great quote. It is a great quote. But I think it's so apt, isn't it, to, to what, we, what both of us do on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I think it's something that a lot of people are terrified of. You know, if I try this and it doesn't work, what happens? And the reality mm. of it is nothing happens. You start nothing again happens. from scratch. And yeah, exactly. it's frustrating. It can be painful, but... You know, it's not the end of the world. And again, we talk about it on this show a lot, obviously, from a marketing point of, of course, view. Of course, 99% of everything we do is an experiment. We're trialing right. things. In fact, we yeah. set up this podcast as an experiment 
two just over two years ago now mm. uh, and the very first episode which i re-listened to the other day because i was feeling nostalgic and organizing for episode 100 uh, i think 150 which will be just wow, come out after geez, this one yeah um and uh and i got the old team back together so that we could re-record like a 150th episode two years after we did that very first one to reminisce um but the thing is though it's it's again it's trial and error it's having a crack at something seeing if it works and i think with any business and any entrepreneurship that's part of it but i think mainly from a digital marketing point of view people don't realize that 90 percent of how we figure out what we do what we do and how we do it for clients and everything else is because we've tried it we've either tried it before we've tried it again we've tried it a few times we've tried it in different styles in different Mm. ways on different Mm. channels and you start to pick up what works and what doesn't and like you said as well and i think this is really important everything you try it's not a complete total loss because like you mentioned, you know, that business taught you margin control Mm -hmm. Uh, the business before that, you know, makes you realize what you can actually achieve with the online and how you can build communities and how you can get that engagement, even doing nothing six, seven years later. Um, So I'm going to ask you really quickly then before we wrap up on that and then talk about strategy for, for content, but yeah, all of these steps along the line, I'm guessing at all times, and you mentioned as well, you're working in affiliate businesses now, at this time, you're learning everything to do with, I'm guessing, things like SEO, you're self-taught, all these skills as well? Right, exactly, exactly. So I, I, I guess for me, you know, for, for lack of a better term, I guess I would class myself probably as a marketer because I've done lots of different marketing kind of roles, essentially, in business, even though I've basically essentially been CEOs of various companies. But yeah, but I, I just... I guess for, for me, I just feel like I've collected loads of different skills mainly around marketing and some finance. And that's what's kind of pushed me through. And so, you know, even if things haven't worked out, I've probably walked away with either a better skill set or new skills that I'm definitely using now or, you know, will or, you know, can call upon in, you know, when I deal with clients, etc. And so, yeah, so I don't see, you know, I don't necessarily see what I've done as failure, even though I haven't succeeded but I see it as a way to, to generate skills that, that will help me in the next stage. Couldn't agree with you more. And again, you know, I've been doing this now for 13 years in September. Yeah. So 13 years and, you know, it's still up and downs and you have great days and you have bad yeah. days and you learn. Yeah. And some days you think, wow, why do I do this? Occasionally I have a glass of wine and I think I miss the days of, you know, a solid paycheck from somebody right, else's right, bank right. account yeah, rather yeah. than from our own. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is all part and parcel of it. And like you say, you do learn and it's, it's a big challenge as well. So I'm wondering how you kind of got around this, but as CEO or as the person who starts the founder of a company or anything else, you obviously have to wear a ton of hats and marketing yeah. invariably falls into that and is one of those hats that we all have to wear when we're starting something new. Of course, yeah. What did you find hardest about getting started in these sorts of projects? Was it the sort of the learning or the researching and figuring out what to do or was it actually finding the time to try and implement everything that you were doing? So I think a lot of it is probably is time management because I think it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed by the the tactical and often it's not about the tactical it's about trying to be strategic with the tacticals that you you kind of follow through and so I've learned again trial and error for me it's about having daily minimums so I have like three or four things that have to get done each day after that then it's well what do what other tasks on on the the general list can I get to 
And so for, for me, it's like, it is about prioritization of trying to think, you know, what, what's the central goal? And so for me, the central goal is always revenue because then you try to keep your costs low to get a good amount of profit. And so, yeah, it all comes back to how can I find and kind of communicate with customers effectively to get customers in so I get revenue so I can have enough profit to get the lights on. It's an interesting one because you mentioned there the, so I used to refer to it as the MIGs, the most important goals for the day. Right. And in its most simple terms, you know, most people, and by the way, I'm the first to admit this. And if you're watching this on the video version, uh, I take notes. Every call I have, I take notes. I have to-do lists. I have ideas lists. I mm. come up with crazy mm. ideas. I draw things. <laughs> I, it yeah, goes yeah, yeah. a bit. Yeah. You know, it's probably a very interesting insight for a psychiatrist to look at one day, hopefully when I'm long gone so that it's not embarrassing. But yeah. <laughs> the reality of it is though, what you said is that if you, every day you start with a list of 25 things that you're trying to achieve, the chances mm. are you'll probably achieve none of them. And right. there's very few people I know that can start a day with a 25 to per, well, 25 point to do list and get through that from start to finish. Yeah. But the most important goals and the mix idea of it comes from a bit of the, you know, uh, eat your own frog. Um, and again, phenomenal uh, concept for anyone who doesn't know it, mm. but starting by the things that make the biggest impact or the things that are the most important, not necessarily urgent, but most important, the things that are going to have the biggest impact in your business. Mm. And I think that is absolutely huge for anyone listening. Um, I'm wondering, AJ, can you give some people like the examples? Because you mentioned, obviously, for you, one of the important things is revenue. But what might some of your sort of most important tasks for that day look like? Sure. So I, I guess just to backtrack slightly, the, the thing that I've realised as well in the last, probably lot, the last kind of two or three years is actually consistency run, run, uh, wins the race, right? More so than, you know, being everything for everyone. So for me on a daily basis, because I run an affiliate site, I do, I try and write a piece of content and I try and do some internal and external link building, right? And so those, those, those three are the main three, and then I did a little bit of social, which is kind of my extra, if I get get five minutes here or five minutes there, I don't post on social every day. And then things like PR requests are on top. But yeah, so so I, yeah, so my, my, my key two things are links and content every day. Fantastic. And again, like for everyone and for each person's business, we say this to everyone and for client wise or, or otherwise, but you know, setting yourself a realistic and achievable, yeah. and a smart goal, I guess, more than anything else. But, um, but having that achievable kind of goal. So we've done crazy experiments, like you know, a hundred blogs in thirty days as right. a team of uh, four people at the time. That was killer. I don't recommend yeah, no, anybody no. to do that. <laughs> no. Uh, and the poor guy who was helping us with SEO at that time hated us, as you can imagine. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. succeeded. We finished. We were all very tired. But actually, <laughs> yeah. I think it's much better to say, you know, we're going to be publishing a weekly blog mm, or a mm. monthly blog if you can't do a weekly own it and it's fine. And a, a monthly blog can turn into a, a weekly, it can turn into a bi-weekly, it can turn into once a day, it can turn into yeah. whatever it wants. It yeah. can even go the other way and become a quarterly yeah. update blog, whatever yeah. you want. But mm. setting a realistic thing because we don't all have the time. And again, your business is very much online. So is mine for obvious reasons. But actually for people who are running a shop or a store or a retail or a restaurant, whatever it might be, that experience is very different. You know, as an entrepreneur, you've obviously probably dealing with a hundred other things. But I think mm. setting that realistic goal and almost, I like to look at it as sort of setting a contract with myself. Mm. Like I'm going to do this. And by the way, I'll have periods. In fact, I'm in a period right now where I haven't written any content for our 
our social link website for a while. I put my hands up and I will uh, be the first to admit, you know, these things happen. We've been ridiculously busy. Uh, We've got changes happening in the business. We've got changes happening with staff members. We've got new people joining, some people leaving. There's Mm. a lot going on and the day-to-day is quite exhausting. The podcast is the same kind of thing. You know, this all takes time, effort. You just keep adding it. And at one point we were a two episode a week show. Now we're just one episode a week and we're focusing more on it. Um, but by the way, the results that come from the consistency yeah. are sometimes yeah. better than trying to do just more of it. And I think yeah. that's a real key part for people to understand. I, I, I think the other thing is if you, if you set yourself, a, say, like, like a, a, a low bar to get over every day, when you have a great day and you're feeling you know, super pumped and everything's going really, really well then you fly. Whereas if you have a bad day, you still can go, right, my, my, I just need to achieve this and that's good enough for today. And I think that's releasing because you don't have these days where you feel scatterbrained and everything kind of hanging around and you don't get anything done. Even on a bad day, you still get something achieved that pushes everything forward. I think that's so important to set daily minimums, you know, because then, you know, so... For example, at the moment, I have my mother here. She lives in France, and she's had to come on quarantine with me, so I'm getting disturbed every five minutes, right? And so I don't mind saying that because she won't listen to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but so, so, so again, so I, I, I'm drawing back into my daily minimums and going, okay, right, what, what is the minimum that I can achieve? Just keep everything ticking over. And then when she's, you know, out or when she's, working herself or when she's, you know, seeing friends, you know, then I have the extra couple of hours where I can work late and I can then say, right, what what other things should I have done that I can now crack on and do? You know, but everything is still ticking along. I don't feel the pressure of falling behind. It's really interesting you say that. So we were going to talk, by the way, for everyone listening, we were going to talk about content marketing strategy and I promise we will come back to we that <laughs> at some point. We will, yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm actually really enjoying this convo. So sorry, listeners. Um, Hopefully you are too. Uh, The the real big thing about this though, and you mentioned the kind of, you know, your daily minimums and when you do smash them and you're feeling great and you're having that pump day, you're right. Yeah. You kind of multiply by a hundred X what you you can achieve because you're just suddenly Mm. on fire. Like everything you touch just works and you're feeling great and pumped about it. The hard days are the bad days, right? The days where you wake up and you've got next to no motivation and it's really interesting that the concept is very simple. I've done this in the past and I still do it today. I have a morning routine, which involves a couple of really simple short tasks. None of them are particularly tiresome or hack or problematic. It's reading a little bit, journaling a little bit, doing a 10 minute meditation. And literally if I can tick those off, even before I've started the work day, I feel like I've already won the whole day. Yeah. And it's amazing the difference that makes. And obviously again, I'm human, so I don't nail this every single day because I don't think anyone well, yeah, I don't think if anyone was honest, they'd tell you they could actually make sure they keep doing no, this day in, no. day out, yeah, every yeah. day. Right. Uh, yeah. It's hard work. But I have days where you don't do that. And again, then you have those kind of days where you're like that. I, I'm genuinely going to do what I have to get mm. done today to make sure that the business carries on making it till tomorrow. And tomorrow I'll come back to trying to be creative yeah. and trying to be interesting and trying to figure out what else I'm going to do. So it, it is a tough position. And I think everyone that's listening, if you're feeling that way, you know, one, you're not on your own. I guarantee it. Even the most successful people that give you the whole shebang and spiel on Instagram that their life is amazing and it's the best thing since sliced bread. They have these days too. 
all of us do. Um, and you know, the roller coaster ride is constantly filled with those ups, yeah. those downs, yeah. the feelings. Yeah. And it's a case of just trying to help you to find the right kind of balance, I think, more than mm. anything else. Mm. Yeah. But, but, but I, again, for me, it's about celebrate, celebrating the days where everything flows naturally and accepting part, part of the process is you'll have days where, where it dips. And that's just natural. And if you, if you accept that there's up and, ups and downs, I think actually everything becomes easier. Absolutely. You, you, you know, you accept that there'll be great days, you accept there's, there's going to be bad days, but actually overall, as long as you're consistent, you're fine, I think. Yeah, I agree. And again, like, it's very hard to be on it all day, every day. Like, yeah, it just is. Exactly. I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, some days my calendar ends up with bookings late at night for people mm. in the US. Mm. Uh, I've got early morning starts, one thing or another. You have days where... You know, I'll finish. Last night was an example, but I finished at about five past ten at night. Right now, by that point, you're exhausted, you're tired, you've put in a full day, you've done a fair amount. Uh, this morning, starting up at nine a.m., having calls going solidly in, I can promise you today by six o'clock, I will be away from all machines and I won't touch a piece of technology <laughs> no, no. till yeah. tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, but it's all part and parcel of it. I also little tricks but you know for me my fridays every week i actually had to check what day my calendar but my fridays every week yeah. uh, i mark off as busy people can't book in whether it's yeah. to record a podcast yeah. whether it's to have a chat whether it's to book a free consultation nothing nothing can go in on a friday why because if it's worked out well and we've got a good week we can cut off at 4 30 all the team gets to enjoy a couple of extra hours of doing whatever they want to do but more importantly is it's that's the day where I can sit back, sit down, yeah. relax, think, look, strategize a little bit rather than just be in the thrown in the deep end and go from call to call to call, especially working from home. We've worked remotely for years. Um, it's hard. Like you don't notice it. You don't have those breaks in between. You don't have the commute to from one meeting to another anymore or anything like that. So it's just all day, every day. So anyway, that's it. We've talked more than enough yeah. about entrepreneurship. And uh, if you, the, you know, if you're the, thinking about leaving your job, think really yeah. hard. <laughs> it's an exciting adventure, but it's definitely not an easy one. Let's just all be no, clear about no, that. No, no, um, definitely not. So basically everything that you've done, you've ended up working with content and you've ended up having to figure out these things and try and get the right strategy in place and also the creation process in place to be able to do this. So that brings us to today where you are actually now trying to help other people with their content creation and more importantly with content creation strategy because it's not enough to just say nowadays, I'm going to write a blog a week or a blog a day or a blog a month and then think that it's automatically and magically going to you know, become the best thing since sliced bread on Google. What are some of the basics for content creation strategy? And what are some of the basics that people can start looking into and understanding easily for themselves? So if, if you're in a small business, my best tip would be sit there and think about the questions you get asked all the time by your customers and turn that into content. So if, say you're buying, say you run like a garage, for example, you know, you probably have the same twenty conversations each week, and that can be that can be a year's worth of content right there. And then you don't have to do any human research because you'll you'll phrase it as your customer will, right? Because you'll think about their verbology, and that will ultimately align with what people are searching for on Google because you're talking in the language of the customer. And so that's one thing that I would say. The other thing I would say is is try and think about the steps of the process of what you do. So I can give you a great example. So a, a client of mine is a life coach. And we spoke a couple of months ago, and she said to me, oh, I've run out of ideas for content. 
and I said, okay, so talk me through what, what do you work with with your with your clients? And so she said, well, I, you know, we, we, we talk about purpose. And I said, okay, so what does purpose mean to you? And she gave me a good, like, two-minute spill. And I said, well, that, to me, is 20 blog posts, just in purpose. Right? But because yep. you're not taught to think like that, you know, she just thinks purpose is purpose, right? <laughs> and so, so I, I, do, I do think, you know, th- th- think about co- commonly asked questions, think about how you can break down what you do and what you esoterically know in your, in your business and in your industry into piece, piece of content that answer a specific question or a specific step in what you do that can help people. I think it's amazing. You've mentioned it there. Like the two parts of this is amazing. One, your customers. Like talk to your customers or if you run a SaaS platform and you get 100 support tickets a week, look at those. You'll find yeah. the frequently asked questions and those literally can create a ton of content. You're completely right. The second thing, what you mentioned, who are you and what do you do? Mm. Like what a huge amount you can write about personal experiences, things that have happened, things that go well, things that go wrong, you mm. know, the way that you do it, breaking down that process, filling out the, the middle bits, whatever else. You can create all sorts of content around absolutely, you, the owner, absolutely. you, the, the the person that's running it, the processes that you put in place. So I think that's huge. That I guess the second thing of it would be then actually writing a piece of content. So if you get, like, it's good to get a title, sure. then you've got to write a piece of content. Now, I'm kind of grinning about this because literally we're doing some work at the moment. We're going to be launching two or three new services over the next sort of coming three, four months. They're not actually new services to us. It's just they're new to our website because they haven't been up there yet. So, right. um, but basically we started doing a lot of research at this stage to pulling together what the leading articles are doing, the way that they're breaking it down, the subtitles that they might use, the way that they've kind of positioned their articles. And what we're trying to do is get the most info that we can to understand the best way to present this, not just for the user and how that breaks down, but also obviously for Google. If these guys are ranking highly and obviously backlinks and everything come into play, but we're also looking at it in the sense of purely from a content point of view, what is working on Google? What do you say about that? And what are your thoughts about that? And how much of this have you done, I'm guessing, over the years as well? So in the last three years, I've written over a million words of content. Nice. <laughs> right? Just to put it into perspective. So I know a thing or two about writing. Let's put it that way. Um, so again, you know, I, 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 I always come back to KISS, right? Keep it simple. And so for, for, for me as a user... What I want to see is two or three sentences, paragraphs, descriptive headings, so I can scan it, and then a good amount of either supporting images or videos that illustrate what your content is talking about. So if we take, say, um, say, say you own a garage, right? And, and, you know, one of the most common things you do is will alignments, right? Nice and simple. You could write, you know, the top 10 ways to, to, you know, the top 10 things to look for to know that your world's in aligning. Perfect title. Well, good, good title. And it would be a matter of just saying, okay, right, what are the 10? How can I make that educational and interesting? And then saying, okay, so it's number one, maybe that you, you can feel it, right? And then you can describe how you feel it. Or maybe you can actually shoot just a really short two minute video on your camera, you know, on, on your camera phone and just, you know, just describing it. Then, then the next thing maybe actually you can get a mirror, you can look under the car and you can see that it's slightly out of whack through doing that. And again, you know, you can add an instructor photo, you can talk about how to do that, you can break it down. 
by, by a subtitle. The thing that I see all the time, and and this is really, really interesting, is I see people that are still writing in massive lots of content, like they're writing an essay, and it's utter garbage. I don't know. I know you see this all the time as well. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you mean. This doesn't sound right at all. People that are... People that have brought, you know, GCSE English to their content marketing, uh, or maybe even A level English, we're taught <laughs> to write, you know, these long ass, big descriptive right, things. Right, and, right, exactly. and because people are always worried about word counts, this is something that's huge as well, actually. People are always worried about word counts, right? When you yes. used to have to do an essay right, for right, school right. or whatever else, you had to have 2,000 words, and people are doing yes. the same thing with their blog content. So right. I've got to fill. 800 words minimum. How do I do this? And so basically, instead of writing the sentence saying, the cat is black. Great. No worries. That's all we needed to know. Now we can get on to why do we like the fact that the cat is black or what difference would it make if the cat was blue or what would the difference be if we shaved the cat or don't shave cats? Like, sorry, making that really clear. Bad example. (laughs) But the idea behind it is that though, right? Don't use... 500 words when 200 words will work. Mm. Um, Mm. You know, you've got different things to add to get to a word count. If you want to make something longer, talk about different parts of it, different opinions on it, different sides of it, different views of it, how not to do it, whatever you want, but don't make massive paragraphs because you feel like you need to use 30 words instead of using three. Um, And I think that's something that's really important. And I do think it's, it's kind of ingrained in us from, from the olden days of being, and I say olden days for me now, like, nearly 20 years ago since I finished school. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, that shit follows us, whether we like it or yeah, not, right? Absolutely, the, you absolutely. Know, and yeah, there's some yeah. people that bring it into email as well, where you'll receive an email that's like 19 pages long or the equivalent. You're like that. Don't do this. Like four bullet points. I'm happy. Points I get the picture. Yeah, yeah. Move on. But, but, but I, I also think he's actually on a really, really important, important point, and which is the types of copy that people write as well. And so, you know, I, I, what I mean by that is, so I, I write a lot of blog content, as I've become very, very good at writing blog content. You know, when I was revamping a website a couple of months ago, I actually got a copywriter who does email to check it, because on email he has to get to the point, because he's trying to sell something quickly, right? Um, and so that was really, really a fascinating kind of experience, because I, you know, that's a completely different type of writing. I think there, there's subtleties in it. Because I'm, I'm asked all the time. You must, you must get asked. Oh, you know, you do a lot of writing. You must, you, you know, can you write my sales pages? I'm like, well, no, because that's not really what I'm experienced in. Absolutely. And to be fair, even then, you know, we've got. So we've got a guy who does a lot of content for us. He's very, very good with, you know, the the call to actions and stuff like that. He's phenomenal at research on certain topics. He knows remarkably well inside and out and everything else. The bit that gets people is when I say to them, you know, for somebody to write a really good article on a subject Mm. that they don't know and they're willing to go away and research. If there's five articles, it's going to cost you 80 pounds an article, for example. Exactly. And people will go, I'm not doing that. That's too expensive. And you go, cool. Like the alternative is, you know, write it yourself, one, or two, spend 10 bucks an article. And what you'll end up getting is super generic. Like they might have opened one other page and they'll copy some headers, maybe. Uh, and that's it. That's yeah. literally what you will get in return. So people understanding that it's it's a very, there's a lot that goes into writing a good piece of content, whether it be yeah. an email, a sales piece, whatever it might be. 
but there's a whole science behind it. There's a reason why people use three words instead of five or why they use 10 words instead of two. Like it, at different parts in that journey, what you're trying yeah. to achieve all makes a difference. And I think for a lot of people, you know, if you are limited in resources, if you are limited in time, starting and doing something is always better than doing nothing. I First yeah. and foremost, right? And my first blogs were not great. I don't know about yours. My first blog. <laughs> <were not great. laughs> no, no. Hands up, not, I'll admit it. But it, 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 it's a law of improvement, isn't it? So um, I, I was talking to a friend last week and he was saying, I want to start a podcast about this, that and the other. You know, and... and it, it was on a group call, and so he spent about five minutes talking. And my advice to him was, "Well, what can we get you? How can we help you get started in the next six years, like days?" Because said, you know, at the moment, you know, it's all conceptual, and you're all you're, you're thinking about it. You start to overthink, and you know, the best thing for for us to do as a as a group or as a community is to help you launch now, because you'll you'll make a thousand more mistakes, but that's part of the process. And and there's no way to shield yourself from making those mistakes other than not to do it. And not doing it is a stupidity, right? I agree. A lot of people talk about it. And in fact, well, there is somebody in our communal uh, network currently, uh, a common acquaintance who actually common put us in touch for, for this. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and hopefully when this goes live, you will be able to go online and find the Jod Pod. James Correct. O'Donnell is starting a podcast and hopefully it will yes. be going live very, very, very soon. Yes. Um, but I will say to James and fair play, my hat comes off to him. He had the idea. He wanted to do it. He's now recorded a ton of the episodes. He's learning as he goes through the process. He's Absolutely. making really Absolutely. good processes in the yeah. background. Yes. But the biggest thing is, you know, for anyone listening, if you're thinking about doing blogs, just do it. Just the do worst it. thing that exactly. can happen is in the reality of it is no one yeah. looks at it or somebody might say, well, that's not very good. And guess what? The chances are the person who says that's not very good will actually be someone who's never done it. Right. And this is right, something that's right. really key, right? Like if right. somebody really good says to you, by the way, this is crap. One, they won't do that. They're too busy. <laughs> usually <laughs> invariably people that have done these things won't say yeah. that. They'll say, hey, like great first blog ever. Like this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Well done. Keep it up. Make sure you always remember to do ABC. And right. You're like that. right, right, right. Exactly. Great. I'm learning exactly. as I'm going along. Exactly. 90% exactly. of the, the community out there will be supportive. 90% of your yeah. customers will be supportive if they see mm. you're trying. Mm. And that's something yeah, to really absolutely. bear in mind. Like absolutely. just do it. And again, like we recorded the first ever episode of this podcast. We didn't even have a name for the show. Right. That came right, afterwards, exactly. right? Exactly. And there was no yeah. microphones. There was no, like we were literally all of us on our headphones, on like Apple headphones plugged into right. our, our phones connected to a Zoom call. So there could be three of us on a call. And that literally was us just brainstorming this idea of we're going to start mm. a podcast. Yeah. Let's see what happens. You know, fast yeah. forward two years later, you've done 150 episodes and you're like that. I don't know. This is crazy. Yeah. I also think there's a, there's a much more subtle point in there. I think again, with, with a lot of improvement, as long as you, you know, so that I talk to clients about all the time, and I, and I know you will, will definitely do this, is setting the right KPIs. And so, you know, to me, setting two or three KPIs that you monitor every day or every week or every month is far more powerful, you know, because it, they're not tracking anything because you, you can then take the KPIs and roll them into how you then upgrade things or how you improve things. And I thought that that's far more kind of vital than just saying, right, I'm going to track everything and be nothing to, to nobody. 
as I said, for me with content, it, it's positions, it's stuff like bounce rates, and then it's revenue per visitor as well. And I think if you know, if you, if you can track your, your positions, you can track bounce rate, you can track your revenue per visitor or revenue, you know, um, or, or, or even time on the site. You know, these are really, really basic metrics that you can get from Google Analytics, or you can just divide your revenue by the amount of visitors you've had that day to get revenue per visitor, right? That's simple. And, and it's stuff that you can easily track. You can easily say, right, you know, where are my keywords ranked? How can I track that? So I use a tool called Rank Tracker by SEO Power Suite, which you can download and use for free. And then I think the basic package is about £200. So it's really affordable. Maybe it's £100. It's really affordable. And so for me, it, it's really, really simple. It, it's it's set good, good KPIs, measure them religiously, even though they're not re- religious, but measure them religiously, and then try and roll roll that into, think about um, how you can improve those KPIs. I think that's huge. And actually we had, um, I, th- I believe it was Rio on a couple of episodes ago, mm. uh, or possibly Neil. I can't remember now. Sorry, guys, <laughs> if you're listening. Um, but they were literally saying, like, if you can understand the basics of your analytics data and your marketing data, right, you right. are already three, four, five steps ahead of your competitors. Yeah. Because 90% of people have no clue. They're not looking. Uh, they're not setting themselves anything. And the worst bit is if you try lots of different things everywhere and just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks, there's no way to figure out what's actually working, what's not, where are you right. at, what's going exactly. on. Whereas exactly. if you start with the basics of this is where we're at, and now I'm going to, and literally it's the same as the basics in in science, right? We're going to start mm. with the hypothesis of, I think if we make more long format content, more people will stay on the site longer and read these articles in full. Mm. You mm. test it. You do one, two, three, five, ten pieces of longer format content, and then you realize that actually people don't like it. And you go, yeah. all right, well, that didn't work out. Let's try shorter pieces of content and let's see if they read the whole thing. And then you try that and then you say, go, yeah. oh, actually, this is working and people aren't leaving the website. And then actually they're going onto the different page and then they want to read the second piece in that article. So suddenly you're taking long format, cutting it into pieces that's yeah. working. Yeah. And all the time, if you don't understand where your benchmark is or where your baseline is, there is no way to know whether or not what you're doing is getting better or worse. And the worst bit about that is that then people literally just start plucking things out of thin air to right, try. Right, so right, cool, right. I'll start a podcast. Okay, cool. What's the plan after that? Like, we're very honest. We started a podcast because we didn't know what was involved in all the steps. So we thought, well, before we do it for somebody else, we should probably do it right. for ourselves yeah, and that'll exactly. help out. And yeah. since then we've helped three or four other podcasts launch and it's perfect. But actually for us, it wasn't about this is going to drive and take us money or bring in new clients, whatever. It was literally a case of, can we give back? Can we do this? How did the systems work? Bang. Now this is what we do. Um, I've just realized the time, AJ. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation, but we haven't actually discussed massively. So before we wrap up, um, really quickly, (laughs) let's try and give... Well, I've really enjoyed this as well. So yeah, we no, might we, have we to do, organize a second version of this convo to uh, to do a, a social link live video, I think. Um, but really quickly then. So for anyone that's looking at trying to figure out their content strategy, what would be your biggest first step that they could take today and try and get them from naught to one? Like, how do we get there? So my, 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 th- my three biggest tips are figure out what your customers want. So figure out what their pain points are, so what the, question, the questions they're asking regularly or what steps they don't understand in your process so far and create content around that. 
and try to think as granularly as possible. So try and think as small as possible because then you'll get more and more content out of it. So that's number one. Number two, set really decent KPIs and keep measuring them as often as possible. And then number three, figure out what the key drivers are and how you can improve your KPIs. Because once you have KPIs, it's just a matter of thinking, right? And so for some people, thinking is going and talking to somebody else. And so because you mentioned Jods, Jods to me is one of the most incredible people in my network because he has a completely different perspective than I do because he comes from a completely different world. And so I can phone him and say, right, I'm struggling with this. And actually, I, I was struggling with something once about six months ago, and so I, I jumped on the call with him. And he, he looked at what I was doing and said, I was saying, yeah, should I start doing more, more um, Twitter? He, and he jumped on the call with me and he said, Pinterest is working really really well, but what you're doing isn't, isn't you, you haven't got a correct market fit. Go, go away and figure that out. And so I went and figured that out, and now instead of getting a handful of, you know, um, impressions on my pins, I'm now getting 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 per pin. And again, it was because of him saying, him, him coming in with, with a completely different perspective and saying, this is what I think you should try. I went away and thought, actually, he's right. Uh, I tried something, you know, slightly differently than what I was doing. And so, so again, yeah. So think about what customers are wanting, set basic KPIs, and then consider how you can improve and then number four would be consistent. Again, consistency win, wins the race. I love it. AJ, where can people find you online? So they can go to ajsdigitalgroup.co.uk. And yeah, if they can book a 50-minute discovery call with me, they can have a look at the services that I'm offering. They can also find me at a underscore j underscore saunders on Instagram. And as long as it's not creepy, I try and answer as many pro messages as possible. So... If you, if you have something quick that you want to just get an opinion on, yes, please send me a direct message. Perfect. AJ, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been an absolute blast. The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialised in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising or web design, We've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.co.